Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bingeworthy and all the playlist podcasts are sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema streaming a selection of exceptional, independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. Mubi's film experts handpick every single film they show. Each day, they present a new gem, and you have one month to watch it. Current highlights now showing include Creepy, a slow-burning horror film true to its title, one of the latest from Japanese writer-director Kiyoshi Kurosawa. They also have John Schlesinger's first masterpieces. It's a fantastic triple feature of the first films by the British director, later acclaimed in Hollywood for Midnight Cowboy and Marathon Man. These remarkable dramas tap into the generational turnover in the UK in the 1960s, starring June Ritchie, Alan Bates, Tom Courtenay, Julie Christie, and Dirk Bogard. Class, gender, and sex constitute the driving forces, as well as the constricting restraints of a new era of adulthood for British men and women. Mubi is available on the web, on the Roku platform, PlayStation, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, and Samsung Smart TVs, as well as on mobile devices including iPad, iPhone, and Android. The Playlist listeners are eligible for a special 30-day free trial. Regular people can only receive seven days free. Visit mubi.com slash the playlist to start watching. You are listening to Bingeworthy, the episodic television and long-form narrative conversation of the Playlist Podcast Network and theplaylist.net. Here's your host, Kimber Myers. Hello and welcome to Bingeworthy, the Playlist TV podcast. I'm your host, Kimber Myers, and I'm here with our editor-in-chief, Rodrigo Perez. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Yeah. Happy to be still in the midst of, of peak TV and, and feeling that, that stress every day. <laughs> too much too much to, to digest every day. <laughs> too much. So today we are going to talk about... The Defenders, which is the latest Netflix series um, in their Marvel universe, and it premieres on Netflix on August 18th, so you can get a, a nice little preview here. We're going to try to stay as as spoiler-free as possible, both for our listeners' benefit and so that we don't invoke the ire of Netflix, which you never, never want. Um, so for those who are not familiar with the Defenders. Um, the, a, this may not be the podcast for you, but uh, B, it's the, it's the union of the four heroes, all based in New York, that Netflix has devoted previous series to. So that began with Daredevil, played by Charlie Cox, followed up by Jessica Jones, played by Kristen Ritter, Luke Cage, played by Mike Coulter, and finally Iron Fist, played by Finn Jones. Um, in, in this series, which is only eight episodes, compared to the others, which have run, I believe, 13 episodes each. Um, these yeah. four, which we'll get into the length in a little bit, but I, I'm definitely happy about that, that eight episodes versus the overlong 13. Sure. just You've heard me complain a lot about filler episodes <laughs> and stuff, so uh, I was incredibly happy to hear that it was only eight episodes. This is, that's how much these... 
generally Netflix shows should be, I think a lot of shows in general. I mean, there's so much stretching, there's so much padding, there's so much plot blocking. I've complained about it so many times. I'm going to try and not, but (laughs) that was nice. Welcome surprise to see it as a bit of a, more of a mini series with like, uh, yeah, eight episodes and, and it's much easier to digest and it's, and it's, uh, it's, you don't get, I don't get as frustrated with it as much. You know, I'm four episodes into defenders because that's all that was given to press at the moment. Um, and I breeze through those, you know, and like all I know is four more episodes and that's it. So, um, my agitation with the Marvel Netflix shows is going to be, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, not as, (laughs) not as, (laughs) as tart as I'm not as distinct as it was in the past because, uh, there's, you know, I'm, I'm not having to endure, uh, just like lots of, boring padding you know yeah yeah I think eight episodes is is a far smarter route for them to take and both as a viewer and fan but also as a critic only having to watch four that are available is um I I'm not upset about that Uh, at the same time it doesn't allow for a lot of uh character development within these within these people like we've obviously seen all these shows and we know who these characters are but their interactions with one another um, don't get a lot of, uh, you know, uh, meaningful screen time other than like, you know, what ends up happening and, and, and not much of a spoiler. You know, there's a lot of friction between all of them. And basically their interactions all come down to like some sort of cynical like, oh, well, what do you do kind of thing? And like, <laughs> who are you? And like, what's your power? And like, I don't buy this kind of thing. Like that just seems to be like the dynamic between every character save for like Jessica Jones, who's so like, uh, like full of attitude and, and, and irreverent that she just doesn't want to bother to be part of anything. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely is. It continues to be a really nice showcase for, for Kristen Ritter and the character. Yeah. And, and Finn Jones, man, it's a it's a it's a real showcase for how bad he is he is terrible (laughs) yeah he's really bad and the showcase the 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 show and the writing just really highlights i mean because he's just written so poorly too he's just sort of this petulant kid right and so he has to like be like "Uh, uh, whiny and like you know like Luke Cage has to tell him, like, you're a privileged billionaire. And he's like, oh, yeah, right, totally. Um, <laughs> it's like kind of this big revelation that comes onto him suddenly. Um, and uh, he's just such a whiny, petulant kid. And uh, so uh, the, the show just, I mean, I don't think he's very good, period, but the show really doesn't do him any favors. No, it, it doesn't. I did appreciate the the Luke Cage calling him out on his, his shit because – that is definitely how I felt watching what I could make it through of Iron Fist and, and how I still feel watching it. He is, he is absolutely the, the weak link in this, this cast. I remember, if I remember correctly, you were not a particularly big fan of, um, of Mike Coulter. <laughs> no. And you know what? Like, I, I feel like my, like the, the strengths of the, of the show so far are exactly how you rank, rank them on um in the series like yeah. finn jones is terrible mike jones is is, is the, or mike coulter sorry is the second worst actor <laughs> in the show. and then Kristen ritter and 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 uh cox who plays daredevil are like 
you know, uh, better. <laughs> I'll give them that. Yeah. Um, I, I like to, or rather I, I don't like to be more specific, but so I don't feel like this is a huge spoiler, but the, the show starts off episode one with a, an iron fist fight scene, which seems to be the worst way for them to, to begin this, the show that people are, are ostensibly excited about. I feel like the both critical as well as the audience feelings about Iron Fist would say that maybe we shouldn't foreground him so much and put him there in the first seconds. And also, I mean, not that I really want to hear Finn Jones talking, but um, <laughs> his, he's not great at the fight choreography. Like I recognize that as, as someone who has no experience there, but I have a friend who um, has spent a lot, has done years of martial arts training and he is just infuriated by how bad Finn Jones is. And um, especially in comparison to the, the great fight choreography of, of Daredevil. Right. Yeah. I mean, none of it is, is very convincing. <laughs> um, and, and you're right. You know, Iron Fist to beginning the sh- to begin the show like that is, is, uh, is not a great idea. Um, I, I, like I'm trying to think of like, what's the basic plot. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm even kind of mystified because it, I don't even really know what it is. It's just kind of a, a garbled kind of, kind of continuation, uh, yeah. from what we've seen so far. And then the show then introduces like Sigourney Weaver as kind of like a new mastermind that's been there all the time or something. I, it's just, I, 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 maybe you'll have a better shot at trying to describe <laughs> the basic plot of, of the defenders. Yeah. I mean, I think the basic element is that they're trying to continue the, the threat of the hand that was introduced in daredevil yeah. season two, um, as well as it was continued in iron fist. And so, we get Madame Gao back in the in the mix, as well as introducing the new character of Alexandra, played by Sigourney Weaver. Um, and yeah. yeah, it seems more, it seems less insistent on on the plot and more about putting these four people and their various associates and the associated characters in different combinations together, whether it's pitting Luke Cage and Iron Fist against one another, um, both verbally as well as physically, and then um, getting a little bit of verbal sparring between Jessica Jones and Matthew Murdoch, um, but also kind of throwing into the mix all of these these people that are, are in their respective worlds. So we get Claire, who is played by... Um, uh, Rosario Dawson, who started off um, in Daredevil, but has since um, become more of a a fixture in Luke Cage's world um, since then. And um, the the other element too is that that I'm not particularly excited about because I was not crazy about her character in. Um, in Daredevil is that Elodie Young's Electra is is back here despite oh, yeah. despite dying in Daredevil season two they have brought her back as the the hand does 
Right. Well, that's at least a thread that they've set up about like resurrection and stuff like that, which isn't much of a spoiler if you've seen these previous, uh, any of these previous uh, shows, because that's part of an intrinsic part of it. But yeah, Elodie Young, the character and the actress aren't very good. And uh, um, yeah, it doesn't, it's just not, I'm just trying to think about it. And while you're talking, just thinking about it, it's just like one big kind of uh, not very interesting soap opera. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, not giving too much away. There's been a little bit of, of action in these first, couple of episodes a a pretty epic fight scene involving all four of the the defenders but yeah I like you I'm kind of struggling with I don't feel like at least halfway through this this season or this mini series that there is a a through line that that really defines what what we're watching and and makes us care it actually I, as much as I like seeing in particular Jessica Jones, who's been my favorite to date, seeing her back in action and, and getting a little bit of a teaser of her before we get finally get season two. Um, right. I just, it the show actually makes me care less about characters that I've liked in the past. And um, I don't know how much more negative I can get on Iron Fist. And I didn't even finish the first season of that. So, yeah, um, like the hand, the hand just seems like this kind of, I mean, I know the hand is connected to Elektra in the comics and there's always been that kind of, you know, this kind of ninja secret occult thing that ties into Daredevil and ties into Iron Fist. And then, you know, the rest of the other two characters are just sort of tethered to the rest of them. Although Luke Cage, obviously, and Iron Fist were always uh, buddies in the comics. Um, but it just ultimately just seems like an excuse to uh, team them all up together and then put in these pretty um, pretty uh, cliched and typical dynamics of like, oh, we're a team, but we really don't know how to be a team because we're all like narcissistic, selfish <laughs> you know, individuals who aren't interested in being superheroes. And I feel like we've seen that in like, you know, the reluctant heroes or the reluctant team. Like you've seen that in Avengers. Do you see that in everyone? It's like, how do we work together to actually be a team? And it's like pretty. Uh, it's just one big meh. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. Um, I, that fight scene was put me to sleep. It's just <laughs> a lot of ways. Um, and it, it's funny, like you know, we've talked about it this in the past, and I've really railed hard against Marvel Netflix. And I don't hate this, but I'm just completely bored by it. Yeah, I like my biggest emotion watching it, um, other than like some chuckles at again. Jessica Jones. Um, I think my biggest reaction was hunger because there are scenes that take place in a Chinese restaurant. I was like, those dumplings <laughs> look really good. But that was like, that was the most I felt in, in four hours of, of television, which is, is a problem. And I'm hopeful that they'll, they'll pick it up on the, the back half, especially with some of the actors who are and characters who have yet to show up who are supposed to um, in, in the back half, at least according to um, Wikipedia. We'll, we'll see. I've got, I've got my fingers crossed for... Well, let's, uh, let's put a spoiler alert here. Yeah. One doesn't want to uh, go further. Although I will say I know which one... I, I know which one of the characters that you're talking about. <laughs> that character was... It should be kind of obvious. And yeah. 
people who, who want to be like, oh, you're spoiling things. That character was actually teased in uh, the Defenders trailer. Oh, that's right. Two of them, so it shouldn't be a major shock. Yeah. That's it. This is the spoiler point. If you don't want to know, like, uh, jump out. But again, it's fairly obvious. Okay, so that's out of the way. The characters are. So I'm obviously most excited about John Bernthal and the Punisher, which I thought was the um, the greatest bit of of uh, of Daredevil season two. Yeah. And I'm actually excited for him to have his own his own show as well. Yeah, I'm going to be curious. I'm curious as, as, as to what that's going to be like. I'm slightly more optimistic about that. I'll definitely watch that, and I'm curious about it. And I assume he doesn't have a major part in Defenders, but he'll probably show up at some point. And is there other people that are supposed to show up that we don't know about? That was the the main one. Um, we've definitely, or at least IMDb says that we'll be getting more um, – of Carrie M. Moss as Jerry Hogarth, who I'm always happy to see. But other than that, I don't think that there are any major characters that have yet to um, to show up, at least at least that I care about. <laughs> well, it's interesting that like just from a comic book perspective, uh I Rachel Taylor who plays Trish, I believe. Yeah. She's the radio uh um host. Mm-hmm. That character is is Hellcat in the comics. Yes, and uh, uh, it's a weird character because she doesn't really have a lot of powers other than being like kind of like Daredevil, like like fighting and, and strength and agility and speed. But in it sort of was teased in Jessica Jones because she got like t- took those kind of like adrenalized pills, right, mm-hmm. or whatever it was at the end of season one of Jessica Jones. And and so I thought maybe they were gonna try it. I think I thought that was maybe a setup for introducing Hellcat into this, but I don't know what what they're if they're gonna do anything with that. Yeah, I'm curious if we're gonna get even a little tease of that here, or if they're gonna wait till Jessica Jones season two. Yeah, maybe you're right. And and they are setting up. They've already uh, uh, confirmed basically. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe there's. Daredevil season three is coming up. Then Jessica, mm-hmm. probably Jessica Jones season two first. Daredevil season three, a Luke Cage season two. I think there's also a, a season two of Iron Fist, right? Yeah, that's been confirmed to the excitement of no one. Right. So basically, there's a sequel series to every single one of them. And then I assume, although I, don't, I believe it, and of course the Punisher. But then I, I don't believe it's been confirmed. But I assume at some point they might do another Defenders miniseries. Yeah, that would be. My expectation as well. Um, I assume it'll. I was going to say, I assume it'll depend on how well this does. But I would have thought that Iron Fist wouldn't necessarily have gotten a, a season two based on the the general response. But obviously, people watched it, and from from the perspective of the entire universe they've set up, I can understand the necessity for it. Even though I'm not going to watch it, I'll just read some snarky recaps unless of course i'm assigned it and then i will do my duty (laughs) i don't know i don't really know if it's necessary i think they could really get away with uh not doing a second season of iron fist and uh my theory is that they i think i mentioned this last time that they really only kind of have him around is because he's supposed to be the billionaire and he'll like you know he'll create you know, defenders tower or whatever something like that he'll be the he'll be the backer you know he'll be the money guy who who backs the defenders team. But then again, like 
this seems pretty different in that I don't think they're going to actually be uh, so much of a team like the Avengers. They'll probably just since they since there's other seasons, it sounds like they're just going to go all back to their regular normal lives. I would not be upset about that. No, I wouldn't either. It, it and it and frankly, it's more in keeping with the sort of I don't want to say the show's realistic, but uh, <laughs> it's more like New York grounded. These are just sort of people that are like bumped into each other kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Which New York is is a far smaller town than I think most people would imagine. If you you don't live here, you do run into people, and the way that they've set up their particular New York, especially with Hell's Kitchen, of course you're going to be running into at least Daredevil and uh, and Jessica Jones will be. But um, yeah, I I don't know. Will you watch the remaining four episodes? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, only because I've, it's only four episodes. It's yeah. not going to be. And and for whatever reason, I, I've watched enough of this stuff that that I um, have kind of become uh, uh, not enamored, but just sort of intrigued on like where it's going to go and and how bad it's going to get. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm just sort of sucked into it. I do not like it at all for the most part. I've been very negative about it. Even the shows that people seem to like, like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, I've only liked in part. Um, uh, I really think Charlie Cox is like really uh, uh, almost like anti-charisma. Um, <laughs> um, I like Ritter. I don't necessarily know if I love the writing of that show, but um, well, some of it. I mean, certainly – it's a, it's a low bar for all of it, but Jessica Jones is maybe the best and daredevil, even despite Charlie Cox has some of it, some sort of intrigue to it. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I mean, it's only four more episodes, so I'll, I'll follow from there. And I guess I, like the thing with me with superheroes is like, I grew up with a lot of these comics and I knew a lot of them. I don't have a lot of vested interest in any of them anymore, but I know them. So like, mm-hmm. it always kind of makes me, even with like Marvel and stuff like that, like, I kind of want to see all those movies, even though I don't necessarily like love very many of them, you know? Yeah. I, I can definitely understand that dedication to, to a franchise and to, to a universe that's been built. says the person who is super excited for Star Trek discovery. Right. Right. So well, there you go. that's coming up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I'll I'll definitely watch these last four, but I won't be in a huge hurry. But like you said, they're they're pretty easy to to breeze through, which which helps that that they made it. They were so much smarter to make it shorter this time around. Yeah, there's not a lot of room for uh, uh, there's a lot of not a lot of room for fat. There's more meat on the bone with these, even though yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's not <laughs> it's not a huge recommendation, but it is just easier. Whereas some of the other seasons, like, you know, they're 13, like Jessica Jones, one of the things that drove me nuts is it like, uh, you know, 13 episodes, it got this like episode six or seven. And that really was the kind of climax. And then it sort of like pulls the rug from under you. And this whole story sort of starts over again. So episode seven, you're like still looking for like, she almost has the bad guy. He gets away. And then the show kind of resets and episodes seven through 13 are just like, restarting kind of looking for this guy again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, uh, that was frustrating. I feel like, uh, the, uh, other shows were similar to that. Yeah. My, one of my issues with 
the defenders too is i mean most shows or many shows in the, the netflix universe do this where they're um each each episode ends with either a cliffhanger or something that will be bringing you on and making you want to binge that next episode and this time I could tell each of the things that they were setting up at the end of these episodes were supposed to be big reveals or, or moments that I was supposed to care about. But I feel like every time I was just like, all right, that's, I guess that's what we're doing here. You know, what's funny is I, I tend to like, I think I like the supporting characters more than I do the actual adventures. <laughs> but I, uh, Rosario Dawson, I think, is a pretty interesting character. I always liked her. Yeah. I'm really into Karen Page. Uh, I think she's interesting. Colleen Wing is pretty interesting. Yeah. Walker, like, you know, I, uh, Foggy Nelson is for as annoying as he can be, and as dopey as he was in the first couple of seasons. He's kind of become an interesting character. Um, obviously, the Punisher is. Um, and, and Carrie Ann Moss is the, as, the, as the lawyer, Jerry Hogarth. Um, I, I feel like they're more interesting people cause they feel like kind of like real characters, like real New Yorkers. Whereas these guys are just sort of like not cartoons, but a little bit cartoonish, you know? Yeah. Especially as much as I like Luke Cage, he definitely goes that way as well. <laughs> yeah. Very much on the, the cartoonish side of things, but um, in a way that I, I find enjoyable for his character. But, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that we, the stronger characters in most of these cases are the, the supporting ones. Colleen Wing is, is great. And every time she's on screen with Finn Jones, I just feel, feel bad for her. <laughs> oh, Finn Jones. Um, yeah, it's not... He's not great. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. So do you have any final thoughts on, uh, on uh, the Defenders? Um, not really. I'm kind of more interested in, in what you're watching, what else you're watching, and what you're looking forward to. I, I think I've said my piece with Defenders. I don't think it's going to get better. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm not expecting any, any super revelations or, or anything. I, I, it'll just team them up together. I'd assume they'll defeat the hand and then some sort of new kind of uh, entity in New York will be introduced in probably Daredevil Season 3, and then that'll be a new through line or something like that. I, I, I'm not expecting anything uh, uh, shocking or you know unexpected. Yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is what it is, and, and we're apparently here for it. Um, <laughs> So in terms of what else I'm watching, um, I and the rest of the universe, um, Game of Thrones, it's speeding through. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the great thing about that. You know, I love, you know, I've always, again, I'm always complaining about things being too long and stretching out and you can really feel Game of Thrones moving fast now, right? Because it's like yeah. almost over So seven episodes now and then another seven and it's done, right? Or another seven or eight or something like that. Yeah. And those may be feature length from what, what they've said. Right. And, and you can like, we've got, you know, I don't think it's much of a spoiler. Jon Snow has finally met Daenerys Targaryen and, uh, um, uh, or Stormborn or however, whatever you want to call her. <laughs> I don't know the proper normal. There's character. a, there's, <laughs> there's a, a big, long, uh, long list of titles there that even as a giant geek, I can't always remember them all. Right. And they finally met and it feels like thing, but the, the world's like, you know, it was always like, you know, 
it was like different, like, you know, it was a show about different territories, essentially, right? You know, there's Westeros over here, there's High Garden over here, there's the North, and, and all these things, in, for the most part, worked independently from one another. And now, finally, the, the, that this big world feels like not so big anymore as they're starting to, like, crisscross over. And, you know, um, uh, you really start to feel like, you know, like war is actually happening. And, and uh, it feels like a little bit of, like, World War II, where you see Germany like making its offensive, and it's like you know we've watched we've watched action in, in England and France and Germany and Poland and Russia over the course of these you know seven seasons or however long it's been now, and now you're seeing you know Germany like start to finally meet up with France or whatever you know what I mean? It's like we, we can feel that encroaching. We've we've had uh, the the Jamie Lannister's army in in um, Westeros finally come over and take over Highgarden. Um, and, and, and obviously the, um, I forget the, the sea people, uh, what their name is, but they, obviously Daenerys has sort of employed, uh, a lot of, um, people on her team, mm -hmm. different, uh, different factions. And yeah, it really seems like, uh, you know, the teams are forming now, it's sort of like Germany has aligned itself with Japan and Italy, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's yeah. how it's going down in a way, the axis of evil or whatever, or, you know, different, you know, the allies it's. That, that to me is where it's now starting to really get interesting. Yeah, and it, it doesn't surprise me. I'll be curious to see if if we ever get uh, the Winds of Winter, the, the George R. R. Martin, if a similar thing happens there as well, just given his love of history and the influence of history on the show and, and how much that's or on the, the series of books and therefore the show. So I... That's definitely interesting to me how they're they're incorporating all of that military strategy and how things are going there. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. They're probably going to finish that show before he finishes the book. Oh, one hundred percent. Because he still has, I think, two more books, and that's yeah. <laughs> I, it's uh, it's I almost at this point. Yeah, it's almost at this point. It's like uh, it just doesn't matter. They're two separate things. And in fact, I think for him, in some ways, his books are going to end up being culturally irrelevant you know because game of thrones i mean like they just said like i think like 30 million or something people tuned in the last episode maybe it's even more um but like uh you know it's like one of the it's one of it's the most watched show on television and becoming one of the most watched shows on television ever yeah um, it's it's crazy and especially in terms of all of the huge number of, of pirated yeah, yeah yeah if you count that too it's like it's like another couple million and or more or, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, his, I, it's almost an afterthought or pointless of what he's going to do because they've obviously, and they've already probably, you know, he's already given them hints of like, or I'm sure sat down with them and, and said, here's how this ends. And they are, are either incorporating it or at least keeping in their mind, okay, this is how it goes down. Do we want to like go in the same way? So in, in some respects, it's, it's very plausible that, that, that the show is going to spoil the books. You know, yeah, oh, the, the show will totally spoil the books. I think from what I've heard, the they may take a different route in getting there, but they both have the same endpoint in mind. I can totally see that. Uh, that makes that makes complete sense. Yeah. So hopefully the pleasures will still be there for for book readers. But yeah, it definitely is. Um, it's it's going to outpace the, the books and has already done so. So 
will. Uh, and what's interesting is like you know HBO. It's such a big money maker for HBO. Is that they're they're seriously considering spinoffs and yeah. trying to see how they can keep this thing going. And I don't think it should be too hard because you don't necessarily like it's anything like Star Wars or anything like this. There's this rich, rich world. And you can set a story in any of these territories, create a new territory that's barely been mentioned. You don't have to follow, like, you know, the further adventures of Jon Snow or whatever, right? You right. could totally just, like, set a new group of people that happen to be in, you know, one of these territories. And it could be X story within the, the timeline that exists or the way Star Wars has done it. You do, like, a prequel timeline or you do something that's running concurrently or you do something after. It's like, they, you know, it's the – there's so many options these days with uh, the way you know uh, people are, are are reconceiving a narrative in terms of timeline and chronology. So um, yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So in addition to Game of Thrones, what else are you you watching right now? Um, I just finished watching. Uh, I'm I'm watching Twin Peaks, which you know we've discussed and. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I had issues with it. It was getting slow. It's gotten a lot better now. I found it's found its rhythm. It's almost over too. So it's uh, coming to some sort of a conclusion. Uh, I'm I'm much more into it now. Midway through, like episode five, six, I was getting kind of restless with it. Um, it's really hitting its stride. So that's that's great to see as it as it sort of goes in its uh, rounds third for its last uh, quarter and. Um, I uh, just finished Ozarks, which was really good. Oh, yeah? Uh, people didn't talk about it enough. It was really good. And I feel like our review was uh, positive, but not as positive as it should have been. Um, it's – I don't know who – I know Jason Bateman directed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think he's a creator on it. I, I To be honest, I, I didn't – I just watched it. I, I didn't, uh, uh, you know, dive into too much. I guess it was created by – Bill Dubuque, who um, he's done shows. I guess he's a screenwriter. He's known for The Accountant <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, The Judge and Headhunters Calling. The Judge being that one with Robert Duvall and, and Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. So not not necessarily a, a great CV, um, but uh, Ozarks is really good. And yeah, uh, J- uh, Jason Bateman directed the first two episodes and the last two episodes. So, you know those are like obviously always the most important and, mm-hmm. and, uh, really, really good, good, strong direction. Um, it's basically about a guy who's laundering money, um, for a drug cartel and making huge money off of it, but living like a, a pretty, um, not frugal, but just pretty normal life in, in Chicago, in the suburbs. And then, um, uh, his money laundering scheme goes wrong because of his partner's, and basically everybody's killed and everything's going to go south, uh, literally and, 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 and uh, <laughs> metaphorically. Uh, basically the whole thing's just is falling apart. And he's always been the sort of the smart guy that the original drug cartel lord loved. And his partner came on as sort of he, – he took on his – the drug lord took on his partner reluctantly. Um, and he always admired uh, Jason Bateman's main character for his intelligence and – uh, is sort of wit and canniness mm-hmm. with like sense, um, and so he convinces them that like he can he can go to a summer resort community in Missouri in the Ozarks and make a ton of money and, and launder all the money there. Um, it seems like pretty random, 
um, location, the, the Ozarks, and, and I'm not necessarily describing it super well, but there is rhyme and reason for why he goes down there. And so basically, it's almost like witness protection in the opposite form. Like his family has to drop everything they do, leave Chicago, and flee to the Ozarks to money launder there. His wife is played by Laura Linney. Um, his wife, his two kids are, are I don't think you'd know them. I don't think anybody knows them. I've never seen them before. Um, and um, so they just live in, in the Ozarks trying to survive, really, like knowing that the clock is ticking with the Mex uh, the Mexican drug cartel that like needs them, like demands that they create, you know, they launder like a few million dollars in a very short period of time. Um, it's almost, it would be, uh, you know, a ridiculous and, and suspension of disbelief breaking that they could make it in that time. But it's a credit to the show that like, it's so well done that they make it believable. Yeah. Uh, and it's just kind of like, um, it's actually kind of bloodline-ish. Uh, I liked it a lot better than Bloodline, frankly. Oh, uh, nice. Because it basically, in many ways, I mean, there could be a second season of Ozark, but like, you know, it's like what I've complained about a lot or, or what I sort of love. It's got a beginning, middle, and end. Like, if, if it does have a second season, that's fine, but it really completed its arc. You know what I mean? It told the story. That story is satisfyingly complete. They could go on, and I'd still watch it, but if they don't, it's it's come it's 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 had a, a great arc it finished it finished really strong and um yeah I, i'm kind of rambling but i ozark was really good and i recommend it and um it certainly did not get enough critical love um jason bateman is, is uh you know he's he's obviously known for his straight man comedic roles and this is totally dramatic and he's really good in it laura linney's really good um, Peter Milan has a small role in it. He's good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Bloodline obviously was pretty strong in its first season and it had a, obviously a lot stronger cast, um, just because of the names in it. But like Bloodline took three seasons to tell its story. I feel like Ozark told a similar story of desperation and, um, uh, you know, like the walls closing in on everybody in within one season. And I really appreciated the way it was told. Yeah. That's definitely one that I want to, to catch up on or at least catch. <laughs> I've, I've heard good things. And again, I think that it's kind of the, the problem of there just being so much out there from both an individual viewer perspective, but also from a coverage one is how can you possibly cover every single thing that comes out? And it's tough to tell exactly what's going to be that, that next show that you really love. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, and, and it just, um, it, for things to penetrate, it's really difficult. And, you know, we were looking back even at, um, you know, when we recorded a few months back, you know, uh, something like I love Dick would seem to be fairly critically acclaimed to, in some regards. Mm -hmm. Um, like it got nowhere. Like, you know what I mean? It hasn't been mentioned. It got known Emmy nominations. It, it was like, it, it's just, there's too much out there that a lot of stuff falls through the cracks. Yeah, it's um, it's it's too bad when there's good stuff like this that gets gets overlooked. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, I recommend that one, and um, I I'm pretty sure it's fallen through the cracks already. But um, a, like a solid B plus, really strong show. I mean, nice. I had some issues with it, like I do with a lot of television, but it it starts and ends really strong, and it and it you know 
tells its complete story in a, in a really good way. On the opposite end of the, the spectrum of, of serious television, um, I think really good television. I love Younger on TV Land, which I think is like a nice candy show um, that's very well made, very well acted. Um, the premise is, is that Sutton Foster of, of Bunheads and Broadway fame is a 40-year-old woman who can't get a job in book publishing after she decides to go back after uh, separating from her husband and raising a daughter. So she pretends to be 26. Um, and it's very fun and sweet and silly and sexy and um, also is kind of a, a ridiculous look at New York City, but is a, a great contrast to when you don't necessarily want something incredibly heavy. There's so much good TV right now that is um, just consuming your your heart and mind, and this is a, a nice a nice contrast to to all of that, which I would highly recommend. Turning off your brain a little bit. Yeah, no no shame in that, especially when you're watching stuff like Twin Peaks that is just so absorbing of of every atom. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's funny. I, I there's so much there's so much good stuff on television. I don't have time to watch fluff. Like I know, like Kevin loves Riverdale, and uh, <laughs> people seem to love it. And I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like my cup of tea, and it just doesn't seem. I don't know. There's always just something. I'm, then again, I'm watching The Defenders, so what do I know? You know, like that's <laughs> as, as lightweight as you can get. But. Exactly. Well, I know we're we're definitely excited for for a lot of this stuff coming up, and we will have plenty more to discuss. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Anytime. We should, uh, let's do it again and, and maybe start talking about some of the stuff that's coming up in the fall. It's pretty exciting. Mindhunters coming up. Um, and, 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 uh, I think one of our favorites, Halt and Catch Fire comes really soon. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's so much, even just within the next couple of weeks, we no longer get that quiet August to, to catch no, up. <laughs> it's a rough life we lead. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, thanks for having me again. No, thanks for joining and we'll be back soon. Find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes and you can also find the podcast posted on our home, theplaylist.net. On iTunes, please subscribe and consider leaving a comment or rate our pod. All feedback is appreciated. You can find me at the creatively titled at Kimber Myers, M-Y-E-R-S on Twitter and we'll see you next time.